Life Audio. The Psalms naturally have divisions in them, which is something you may not have been aware of. There's actually five books to the Psalms, but they're all lumped together. That's how we refer to them as the Psalms. But there's actually five individual books. So today we're going through Psalm 72, which is actually the last Psalm in the second book. So there'll be a little bit of a transition between book two and book three. Today's Psalm was actually written by Solomon, and it's the first one that's been written by Solomon that we're going to look over. So I pray this episode is a blessing for you. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor and then we'll dive right in. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're getting into Psalm 72. Again, we're carrying on our study of the Psalms where we are doing a devotional reading of one chapter of the Psalms each day. Real quick, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you're aware of. For free, every Monday we mail out journaling prompts that go along with each of the current series that we're doing to just kind of help you get things from your head into your heart. Journaling is a really good resource and a tool to, to help you with that. So again, that's free. That comes out every Monday. Just make sure you're subscribed to that newsletter. And because that's the current episodes that we're doing, if you are wanting the previous episodes, we have Psalm 1 through 50 available in a guided journal linked with the audio devotional. And that's only $5. You can get that on my website. You can feel free to print that or use it digitally, whatever works for you. But that's a really good way to kind of just keep yourself accountable and make sure that you're reading in a way that is consistent all the way throughout. Because one of the things I always say is we we don't necessarily want to just cherry pick and look for things that back up what we're already thinking and feeling. We want to study the scripture within the context of scripture. And so that's why we're going through a whole book at a time. And again, if you haven't been with us since the beginning of the series, the reason why we're doing the book of Psalms is because this was the Psalm and song book of Jesus. It's the the book of the Bible that is quoted the most I'm sorry, a book of the Old Testament that is quoted the most by Jesus and the disciples. And so we know that they had a lot of that information at the tip of their hearts. And so when they're teaching from that context, I think it's just really important for us to also know what they were talking about within the same context. So Today we're in Psalm 72, and like I mentioned in the intro, this is a Psalm of Solomon, and this is the first time we've done a Psalm that was written by King Solomon. So I'm going to start at verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV. 
Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Saba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him for he will deliver the needy who cry out the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold be Sheba be from Sheba be given him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. So I think we can tell right off the bat that um, this psalm feels a little bit different than some of the other psalms that we've been reading in the past couple of weeks. And according to the title, this is a psalm of Solomon. It is King Solomon's prayer for his reign over Israel, over the time that he will be reigning over Israel. And in his prayer, he asked for wisdom. He asked for justice. He asked for righteousness. He asked for peace. He asked for the destruction of evil and freedom for the oppressed and, and the people that are in trouble. It also points to Jesus's reign over the world at the end of history and all the way into eternity, which we read about that in Revelation 20 through 22, if you want to go and read about that. But for several verses of the psalm, it points forward and it applies to Christ alone. So we talked about how so many of these psalms are messianic psalms because they point forward to Jesus. They're prophetic in the way that they talk about Jesus years and years and years before he arrived. And so this prayer is very similar to the prayer that Jesus prayed in the New Testament when Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. That's in Matthew six ten. We read that and we recognize that this should be basically a heartfelt prayer of everyone who is desperate to see Christ's reign and the peace and the righteousness that's established on earth as a result of that. And so that we can, you can read more about that in um, Revelation 21 as well. But what we're seeing here is this foresight that King Solomon had that not only did he want to reign in a way that br brings glory to God, but he's also foreshadowing the kind of reign that Jesus will have. The reign of the king is kind of a universal prayer. And it's a prayer that's asking for a blessing, of course, on the nations. But it's also this prayer for the poor and the needy. And um, it's 
it's this desire that we see in him to defend the afflicted and the needy because not just because it's a responsibility of the king, but because it's a responsibility of God's people. And um, I just got back from a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And, and so this Psalm especially hits me because I spent a lot of time with people last week that were really representative of that people group, the, the poor and the needy, where they are really in a place where they are desperate for the hope of the gospel. We'll get into a little, a little bit of that in a little bit, but Psalm 72 is, uh, just for some background information, it's generally classified, of course, as a royal psalm. And we can see that because its focus is on the king and the kingdom. But if you think about that in terms of our spiritual lives now, it has a, a parallel meaning when it's talking about the king in the kingdom. And of course, this is talking about King Solomon and as he's reigning as king, literally. But we also know that Jesus is the king and we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so I don't want you to lose sight of that as we read through some of that. I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up because we don't understand maybe some of the coronation language that's kind of feels foreign to us. Um, and so we have this tendency to kind of just maybe gloss over it. But there's a connection as we talk about the establishment of the kingdom, as in the kingdom of God, and the role that we play as followers of God in the establishment of that kingdom. You know, several years ago, um, we talked earlier this year, we even talked about the word of the year and what that means. And if you haven't caught those episodes, there's a couple episodes I did uh, a couple weeks ago on that. But I, I went into detail, I'm not going to go into detail here, but I went into detail in that episode about how my word of the year, the one year was seek first the kingdom. And as I have leaned into that seek first the kingdom, I've allowed that to become a guiding principle for my life because it's not about the kingdom of Rachel. It's not about the kingdom of the podcast. It's not about the kingdom of, of any of the organizations I work for. It's about the kingdom of God. And so if we are making decisions based on the kingdom of God and the impact it will make on the kingdom of God, it becomes a lot easier to, to make those decisions because it helps helps us to understand what's really going to matter for eternity. I think it's important to point out too that this is one of only two psalms that we have that is written by Solomon. The other one is Psalm 127. And we see how it really resonates with the prayers of Solomon that we see other places in scripture. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, I'm going to read actually 1 Kings chapter 3 in just a couple of verses, a similar prayer that will help you kind of make the connection between the two. Stay tuned. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 6. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant a king in the place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, O great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? 
The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be, never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have asked, not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes, statutes and commands as David your father did I will give you a long life so flash forward to where we're at now where we're reading through this psalm this prayer that is very similar to what we see in first kings we can recognize some of the similar language and verbiage there and if you're not familiar you can go back and read about the story of David and Solomon but essentially Solomon was King David's son so we've been reading all of these passages of scripture about King David King Solomon took the throne after King David and so what we see in Solomon is something that is incredibly special it's unparalleled in the scriptures and I think throughout history, it's unparalleled. And it's not that Solomon was without fault. I mean, he was human. He did have fault. But he served well as the king of Israel. And he did um, really seek after God's heart. And he was known for having wisdom way beyond his years. It was supernatural wisdom. And so I think it's important to remember all those things when we're reading the words of Solomon. Because it gives us a unique perspective into who he was and the tone of, of how he was speaking. We recognize in the words of Jesus, very similar tone. And so while Psalm 72 is not specifically quoted in the New Testament, the messianic tones are in line with each other. And you can see the prophetic nature of this text by the content, the way it foreshadows Christ and the way that Christ refers back to it. And for just a quick note of scholarship, there are some scholars that think that perhaps David wrote this for Solomon, um, but yet it talks about things that happen later in Solomon's life. So there are other scholars that believe it really was Solomon that wrote it. I think either way, the thing that we get from it, it is a monarchy themed psalm. So it is written from the position of the king, from, from the viewpoint of the king. In verse 1, he mentions himself, but then in verse 2, he talks about the afflicted ones. And the afflicted ones in that culture would likely have been the socially and legally oppressed. And in light of the political situation that was going on, I mean, we're thinking about the Babylonian exile and, you know, all sorts of chaos that was happening throughout Israel's history. It's, there's an assumption that the period for when this book, uh, all of book two was edited, we're understanding that the people that he's addressing this to were likely the exiles themselves. And um, I think that's important because we sometimes overlook the fact that many times the audience, uh, the original audience of these Psalms would have been exiles. And what does that mean? It means that they were literally, like I said, socially and legally oppressed. And they likely operated without a sense of hope. And so when we see words of encouragement like this that come from Solomon, it can speak directly to people that are struggling and, and needing some hope. I think that is so important, especially in the culture that we have right now where everything, I mean, people tend to be very self-centered and we forget even as believers that the call is not just to follow God 
but we are also called to go and make disciples of all nations and all nations means outside of our local region. I mean, it talks about going to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That means we're to get out of our own circles and extend out and share the hope of the gospel in other communities and with people like these, the afflicted ones that are socially and legally oppressed. You know, last week I spent some time in the Dominican Republic, and if you are not familiar, or if I am misspeaking and I'm I'm omitting things, please know that I'm trying to do a brief, brief overview of this. But where we work in the Dominican is along the border of Haiti, and the area that we work in, in the Batays, it's an area where there are generations now of people that literally have no nation. They are, they had worked the, the sugarcane fields for so long, they were... Haitian descent initially, but they came over to the Dominican side of the island. Uh, the island of Hispaniola is set up, is split up into two. So one side is the Dominican Republic, the other side is Haiti. But the Haitian families had come over to work the sugarcane fields. And after World War II, there was a decreased need for the sugarcane. And so that meant there was a decreased need for workers. And so when these Haitian families went to return back to Haiti, they were not accepted because there's extreme, deep level racism between both sides of the island. And so these Haitian families were not accepted because they were now seen as Dominican because they had lived in the Dominican for so long. And yet the Dominican did not accept these families because they said, no, you're, you're Haitian. You're, you know, you're, you came from Haiti, go back to Haiti. And so essentially what has happened is along the border is there's these uh, pockets of people that for generations now have been of no nation, which means they cannot get birth certificates. They cannot get medical care. They cannot get schooling. They cannot get any of the things that happen when you're part of an organized, you know, you're a citizen of a nation. They can't leave, of course, because they can't get passports or visas or anything like that. And so you have this pocket of people that have just sat and been literally oppressed legally, socially, emotionally, spiritually. And so what our organization did is we went into these neighborhoods and we built schools, we built a medical center, we come alongside of them and we help them with food and all the resources that we need. And we're fighting on their behalf. A lot of them we've gotten birth certificates for and help them go on to college and um, become, become citizens of, um, of the country. But that has been a work that has been going on for quite some time. And it is a very, very slow work. But the, I can't help but think about that when he's talking about reaching out to the afflicted ones and, and the verbiage that we hear throughout Psalm 72, that that's what it means to build up the kingdom. And and it's not that we're stopping there. I mean, we're essentially going in with the hope of the gospel. So, of course, salvation and the salvation message is paramount, especially in that uh, climate, because there's a lot of... Um, you know, there's a lot of witchcraft and there's a lot of voodoo and um, some perverted forms of different kinds of religions there. And so it's very, very important that we lead everything through a faith-based lens. But then it doesn't stop there. You know, we're not going down and just um, telling them the gospel and then leaving. No, what we do is we work with locals and there's local leadership, believers that live there, and we empower and equip and encourage them. And so when we go down, it's not to go in and to be the rescuers and to make them dependent on us. Instead, we're going in and saying, hey, what are the needs and how can we help you accomplish them? And then that comes in forms of, you know, financial support or training or, you know, whatever it is, mentorship. And so it's a really neat way to kind of see how God has done things um, because we now see 
kids that are growing up to be doctors and teachers and nurses. Whereas a couple years ago, they would just say, oh, they're going to work in the, in the sugarcane fields because that's all they thought their, their hope was for the future. And so I can't help but think of that because it's so fresh in my heart, but I would encourage you to think about who are the afflicted ones in your life? Who are the, the ones that are oppressed? Maybe they're not legally oppressed. You know, maybe it's more of a social oppression or, um, you know, there's people that you might work with that are dealing with all sorts of things that I think sometimes the temptation for us as believers is to look away. And maybe we might even pray like, okay, God, will you intervene on their behalf? But instead, I want to push you a little bit farther to say, what can you do for that person? And how might God be calling you to intervene on their behalf? Because what we're seeing throughout this passage and what we see throughout the scriptures is that God has a heart for those. And if we want our heart to reflect God's heart, they have to matter to us as well. I think it's really important to point out too that, um, you know, we can get this wrong too. And I've seen a lot of organizations go in and do more harm than good. Um, so I think it's important to be wise in the way that we do that. There's a book called Helping Without Hurting that I would highly recommend. But I, I think even in this psalm, what we recognize is the defense of the afflicted and the needy was one of the major responsibilities of the monarchy. And unfortunately, it was one of Israel's monarchy's biggest failures. Um, but yet what we know is that God doesn't fail in that assignment, that it's not something that he drops the ball on. And it's something that is very, very important to Jesus. And so we read about it and, you know, David talks about it. He talks about how he identifies with the poor and the needy. And he, um, you know, there's talks about the prayer for deliverance of the needy and to save the children of the needy. Um, and of course, this psalm is presenting a picture of the ideal king, the ideals that Solomon is setting out. And, and even if David wrote it, it would be David's prayer for what Solomon would become. That is the ideal and the heart behind this monarchy. And, you know, in fact, Solomon began well. I mean, if you have studied Solomon's life, you know that there was a lot of really good things that he did and a lot, a lot of not so good things that he did. But he started well. And you know, what, like what happens with a lot of the other kings, what we'll see is, you know, he starts out with good intentions and then the rain takes a downward spiral and then they just don't recover from that. And usually that's a a result, a direct result of sin. And I, I have to recognize that, you know, there are times where even in the, the history of the church, the intention may have been to, have a heart for the afflicted and the needy, and then somehow things just spiral. But I think what we have to see is that this is something that is always on God's heart. I mean, we read about it in the Beatitudes, and Jesus takes the the qualities of, of that group of people specifically and turns them into spiritual values of the kingdom of God. We know that having a heart for the afflicted and the needy is where God's heart is. And so regardless of the fact that we've messed up, as a human race, we have messed up, we have to keep that as one of our highest goals. And, you know, I think about that in terms of, um, what some of the things that we see in when we're working in third world countries and some of the extreme poverty. And one of the trips that I was on one time, there was somebody from our church and she said, I don't understand how God has allowed this to happen and why God doesn't fix it. And I said, you know, the thing of it is, is God has already made provision for this not to happen. This is the result of the church. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, even with simple fact of 
you know, God has explained in through his word countless times his plan for doing things. He has called us to have a heart for the the needy and the afflicted. And he's also called us to tithe. And if every church or every member of every church actually tithed, there would be more than enough money to make sure that things like this never happened. And so it is my belief that the, this third world poverty that we see is really a consequence of the disobedience of God's people. And that may sound harsh, but until you've seen it firsthand and you realize how much it grieves God's heart, um, we can't blame God for that. We can't blame God for the consequences that are happening as a result of our own sin. And, and if nothing else, I pray that that encourages you to take that more seriously. But given this insight, I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 72 again. And I want you to just maybe pray about that today. Like, what is my role in all of this? And what is God calling me to? Starting back at verse one, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will be abound till the moon is no more. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him for he will deliver the needy who cry out the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land on the tops of the hills. May it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. Father God, we come to you and just ask you to... Help us recognize you as king in our lives and the way that you desire to grow the kingdom. Lord God, I thank you that the needy and the afflicted are on your heart. And I pray that you would help them to be on our heart as well. Lord God, as we reflect on your heart for the needy and the deliverance and the help that, that we see over and over in the pages of scripture, Lord God, let that resonate with us. Help us to even right now recognize perhaps the people that would fit that category in our lives and what our role would be in reaching out to them. Lord, I thank you that you have provided a way out for, for them and they are on your heart. God, help us to be obedient, to do our part in advancing the kingdom. Lord, I thank you that you open our hearts and our eyes to these things throughout the pages of the scripture. And I thank you for the words of Psalm 72 as it calls us to a higher standard as we live our lives for you. It's your name we ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? 
My goal for the She Hears Ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.